Hey, podcast listeners, who inspires you? I am inspired by women business owners who are, as I like to say, brilliant and bold. Today's guest is both. She's built a successful business in what you might call a male-dominated industry. So she's brilliant. And she stands out. She's made some big, bold moves to ensure that her business isn't like everyone else's. So if you're ready to work less and earn more and to build your wealth, then you're going to love this episode. Welcome to the Grow Equation Business Podcast, dedicated to helping women business owners increase their JPF, joy, profit, and free time without working longer hours. I'm your host, Diana Lidstone, and I've been an entrepreneur for almost 40 years, helping coaches, consultants, and other professionals to get known, ramp up their profits, and optimize their resources so they can build this fabulous, well-oiled business machine. You're ready to work less and earn more? Let's dive in. I'm not easily impressed, but that's just me. And not long ago, I came across my guest today, Wendy Brookhouse, and immediately noticed that she was different. And then Wendy showed up again and again and again. She kept crossing my path. Not only is she a brilliant financial planner, but a woman who's taken big, bold moves in an overcrowded industry so that she stands out. Today, we're going to find out exactly how she's positioned her business to stand out from others. Wendy is a certified financial planner with an executive MBA. She's also a podcast host, an author, and founder of Black Star Wealth. Wendy and her company truly stand out. You only have to go to her website to see the difference. There's no scenes of elderly, gray-haired couples walking along the beach or generic family pictures. Wendy has built her successful financial planning business in her way. Welcome aboard, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me, Diana. And I may have to hire you just to introduce me everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I probably should have recorded that conversation. It was amazing. And, you know, I read somewhere on your website that you came into this business rather reluctantly. I remember reading that word reluctantly. So can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be where you are today? Oh, I'm happy to. So I think it was more of a reluctant entrepreneur, Diana. I can always remember, I always thought I'd be working for other people. And then I was working for an internet company. I was a VP and, oh yes, let's remember 2002 when the tech boom or bust happened. Next thing you know, I'm on my own. And so that's when I started being a self-employed individual at that point. And so I was doing consulting, writing some business plans, marketing plans, strategic plans, doing some of the implementations. One of the ways I stood out a little bit there too was I always focused not just on the what to do, Diana, but the how. I always felt like, yes, don't just tell me what to do. Like sometimes I actually have a pretty good idea what that is, but sometimes I need more help on the how. So I really focused on that. And then I had a client who was in this industry. At a certain point, I thought, you know what? I can actually do this better than her. I actually have a finance degree. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Right? So let's start using that. And so, you know, then I entered the industry. And because I came in as an independent Diana, I wasn't in any of the captive shops. There was no one there to actually say, this is how you do it. It meant that twofold. One, I felt like I was fighting my way out of a wet paper bag for a few years. <laughs> There's got to be some light at this tunnel. Where is it? And then it became actually 
the thing that made me way better or different. In I the love long run. that. Yes, because I hear so often, and you probably hear this too, but number one is, but we don't do that in this industry. Or you see people that are building their business in a particular industry, and they're afraid to look outside that box, if you will, for a different way of doing business in that industry, right? 100% agree. I feel like this industry in particular, it's like we're in a dome of some sort. And so it's up to the people who are our suppliers or our people who control what information we get, as opposed to like three years ago, Diana, I went to Collision, which is the big tech conference in Toronto, because I wanted to see what else is out there? What are other industries doing? And maybe how can I use that to adapt and do my business differently and better? You know, so it wasn't how the industry wanted me to build my business, but I feel like it was how and what my clients really needed. Awesome. Yeah. And so one of the things that I've noticed is that you have really niched down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so who are your ideal clients? Right. So it's interesting because it's a long journey to that, Diana. And if yep. you've been through it, I've been through it. It's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> As you go through this, because sometimes, I mean, I'm not rare, I'm saying no to everybody yet, but it does mean that you're setting yourself up to get there. And I think I chose business owners because my background had been in consulting and writing business plans. So I understood business. I had run several before I got into this particular business. And so I think that that affinity and that understanding of what it's like to be as a business owner, the fact that I've had to make payroll, the fact that I've had to make hard decisions, gives a different level of insight when we're talking about building wealth, because I understand a lot of the constraints and issues at hand that are different than if you have a pension or a job that the paycheck shows up every week, whether you're on vacation or not. Right. And niching down, you know, like you said, is a process and you might niche down to a category and then a deeper category and then a deeper category. And each time Mm -hmm. it's kind of scary, right? Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, for my listeners, so I have this software called SpeakPipe and I'd love for my listeners to leave me a comment at this point, whether they find niching down scary and what is it about niching down that they find scary? And, you know, from your perspective, what was your biggest concern? I think it's a lot of people's concern is that if I say no to someone, I'm saying no to revenue. And so that's always a concern. Will there be enough revenue in the niche I've chosen? Right. But I will say it does shift everything, Diana, from a terms of attracting that market. And I'm actually in the middle of contemplating a further niche down, which you've alluded to, but I'm approaching it a little more systematically this time. I'm actually doing market research. I am exploring a little bit more. And the niche we're thinking about is entrepreneurial couples. So couples who either both are entrepreneurs or they're working in the same business. So taking that entrepreneur, but compounding the same amount of issues in the communication and the pull and push of two entrepreneurs building businesses or in the same one. Yeah. So we're going to do a survey to just kind of see what is different. What do they need? Yeah. I think that's a great thing to do is constantly be, you know, on the awareness level so Mm -hmm. that you know, oh, there's 
possibly I can even serve my clients to a higher level by niching down and becoming that expert in this little spot. Especially in my industry, I think there's a preconceived notion that the biggest thing and the most valuable skill I can have is my logic and math ability. When in fact, (laughs) it's my soft skill side and seeing where there are barriers to success, some mindset things. It's not that I'm going to solve them. I'm going to do my best to surface them so that people are aware of those behaviors they have that may lead to self-sabotage down the road. What patterns are there? Because those are the things that are actually going to have way more weight when it comes to the success of a financial plan than the math. Than the math. And I love that about what you said. I think it's in your bio that, you know, financial planning isn't just about the math. So it is about our fears. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have money mindset issues. Mm-hmm. And the person who says they don't, sorry, but you're a big fat liar, because we all do at some point. You know, I've always said it's new level, new devil. And, you know, we can get to a new level in our finances or in our money, and a new devil shows up every single time. And I'm sure you see that in your clients, right? Absolutely. There's three questions I will pose sometimes, Diana, just to get the thought process going. And one is, what is your first memory of money? Mm. The second question is, what is something that your parents did with money that you would like to copy? And what is one thing your parents did with money you never want to do again? I love it. Yes. Because it's our money patterns, they're certainly heavily influenced by our family dynamic. They're kind of a little bit like our DOS operating systems on our computer. They're buried deep. We don't even know they're there. We're just working. But I think that when we look at it, whether we were taught about money or not, because so many of us were not at any place, but we were. It was in the offhanded comments around how did our parents perceive wealth? Is it a bad thing? Are people who have money bad people? You know, there's messaging that happened that we weren't aware of that we sometimes have to surface to make a better path. Yeah. And not only in, you know, our financial planning, but it's also as business owners, you know, how we go about charging for things or pricing our services, right? It's all in there and it all impacts. It's all entwined. So can I tell you a story? I'd love. Yeah. So this is about SRC and it's a term I learned in my first year marketing course from a professor who's Professor Kling. He was this big, tall Texan. Not sure why he was in Halifax, but there he was. (laughs) And he taught us about self-reference criteria. And so I check myself all the time about, is this true? Or is it my self-reference criteria, you know? And the other story I have is I was doing an insurance policy for a business owner that he needed to get the insurance in order to get the financing through the bank. They had a requirement for life insurance. So I ran the numbers and he was in his 50s and he was a smoker. So it was a big number. And it was like $1,000 a month. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so expensive. And I go, hey, it's $1,000 a month. Okay. And that changed my world forever because for him, it was a cost of business Yeah, and it was nothing. It's like, you know, a bottle of water or, you know, the equivalent, you know, we can get water from the tap for nothing, or we can buy it from Starbucks for, I don't know, I'll say $5, right? (laughs) 
The other thing I fight with is since this is for women entrepreneurs, they may be able to relate. Why is it that I have no issue spending $14 to $15 on a bottle of wine, but I will not spend that on a pair of underwear? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But I try and think, oh my God, I would get so much more use. It's consumed in what, 30 minutes. And anyway, it's interesting how our minds are wired. I know. Yeah. Wendy, I want to go back to your business, how it's different. One of the other ways that I've noticed that it's different is that you offer programs Mm. and sell programs. Can you tell us a little bit about that, how you got into that, maybe what it's done for your business? So I've been in strategic coach for a number of years and they talk about programs all the time in there. Yeah. And how that helped me a lot. So it meant that I had to name what I did. I had to come up with a name. So right now I do the total wealth blueprint. Mm-hmm. What I had to do is come up with a complete process and methodology and milestones along the way. So all of those things aside, it meant it was easier because I actually could very confidently say to a client, oh my gosh, this is why you've told me what your pain points are. And this is how this will address them. And here's our process. In meeting one, we're going to do this. And then you're going to have some homework. And then in meeting two, we're going to look at these following things. And then in meeting three, we're going to do that. And when you get like that, number one, there's this confidence that comes across about what you know what you're doing. Yes. The second thing is, is that it takes it from selling yourself. So when I have a program, I'm selling Total Wealth Blueprint. I'm not selling me, although I'm an integral part of it right now. But I'm talking about a program, whereas I think sometimes in services, if we don't have that, we're selling our expertise in a way that makes it easy. When someone says no, they're saying no to us, not no to a program. I know it's subtle, but it's different and it makes it easier. Yeah, for sure. I love that. One of the things that I teach my clients very similar to that is what I call a framework. So a flagship framework. So I have my grow equation. That is my flagship framework. I have a graphic. It shows, you know, you go to A to B to C to right? It's a process. Mm -hmm. And like you say, it gives you such confidence that people go, oh, I see what we're going to do. You know, subconsciously they're saying, oh, she must know her shit because she's got this all worked out. And then, you know, like you, you've got, I teach my clients how to create from that flagship framework, their various programs. So I love that, Diana. And the other thing too is, is that it really does change your relationship because I deliver highly customized product, but I use the same method every time. So it's not that the outcome isn't specific to the end client because it is, we're talking about money and everybody's situation is completely different. Everybody's end goal is completely different, but how I get the plan put together does have a distinct methodology. Right. And that for many entrepreneurs, they have that distinct methodology already. It's just all up in their head. And to pull that out and to put it on paper, I think allows a couple of things. Like you said, you know, increase in confidence. It's not so much about us. But the other thing is that it allows you perhaps in the future If this is the methodology your company is going to use, it could allow someone else to deliver that exact same methodology 
Yes. Over and over again. And that is so tricky. And whether it's someone else completely delivering or someone coming in and helping at different points, it allows all of those pieces and that certainty of what's happening next. And also allows if anything in your process can be automated, you can now add that elements of automation through different tools to allow, oh, once you book this meeting, this is the package that automatically gets emailed out. So it just allows that level of taking, again, some of the thoughts out of our head, because now I don't have to think about it every time it just happens. Yeah. And it happens and it frees up your time. There's consistency. Yeah. When there's consistency, it frees up your bandwidth up here in the mind. And then you also know what is working. I'd love for you to talk for a minute before we come to a close. You have something called the business owner's power number. (laughs) Okay. So in many ways, as business owners, we're taught to compartmentalize our personal from our business. However, for the sense of planning, I like to marry them back together just for a little while. Because what I'm trying to figure out is what is the number in terms of assets, income stream, et cetera, that allows us to have the power of choice. And that's where that name came from, the power number, the power Mm -hmm. to choose. I'm working because I want to not because I have a bill to pay or what have you. Because if we know we have the assets and the income streams built up so that you're in a different spot, it changes your world. It changes how you set your boundaries between yourself and your work and your life. It changes how you may or may not take on a client that in the past you would have taken, even though there was this little pit in your stomach goes, I'm not sure they're not going to be a problem, but you took them anyway, because you know, you wanted to hit your numbers for the month. You know what I mean? So it gives you this extreme power of, I can walk away from this. I don't have to stay here. You know what I mean? Like it just gives you freedom. It's freedom really at the end of it. Power to have freedom. Yeah. And I noticed you've got a little TM on there. So (laughs) this is obviously a process. And is this the process that you walk people through? Absolutely. So it's the total wealth blueprint. We actually are generating five numbers, one of which is that power number. What I like to figure out is, What can you spend every week on lifestyle, which includes your groceries, eating out, entertainment, all those types of things with no stress, knowing that that is your number. Then I build your ideal life from a spending perspective and we go, oh, this is how much this costs on an after-tax basis. That's my number two. What is the funding required for my ideal life? And in the blueprint, we sometimes build two or three of those, depending on the stage of business. One might be, here's your break-even number. Second one might be, here's a little bit more lifestyle. And the third one might be your ideal life so that you can see the spectrum. But then we move into the business and go, what does your business need to do from a revenue and profit perspective to give your ideal perfect life or your life funding to do so? And so that's our third number, which is kind of like, what number does your business need to do? But it's a little different. It's not like a top line number, depending on the type of business, because we're going to try and break it down because sometimes those big numbers are scary and become almost insurmountable versus, hey, you want to make $500,000 this year? Guess what? 
You just need to sell three of your programs every week that you are working. So that changes it a little, right? Because now you're like, I got to get three versus I have to make 500, which just yeah. seems so much bigger. So that's the third number. The fourth number is what I call the shockproof number, because we want to start building up reserves. We want to build up contingencies for your health, contingencies for different things that might happen, you know, pandemic 5.0. <laughs> so, you know, that's a combination of available capital, available credit, and also what insurance products do you have in place? Because there's a lot of things that can be handled that way. So those are the four numbers in addition to the power number that we generate through the total wealth blueprint. And those are where we want to set our goals around, which make it a little different than your typical profit numbers, you know, KPIs that you might normally associate with your accounting. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. And it's true that, you know, business owners, and I think especially women, they have the business over here on one side, they have, you know, lifestyles. And as you say, if they have a spouse or a partner that they are married to, or they're couples working in the same business, that can really complicate things. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that work through this process, a lot of times will uncover where values are shared, where values might deviate a little, and how can we build a plan that helps satisfy all of those things, right? Because if one of the couple wants to travel and one wants to stay home, if we put 100% in the travel budget and nothing in the house maintenance budget, that's where trouble happens. Yeah. So we build plans that accommodate the values of the clients so that they can really enjoy life. We have this thing where we have to live life for today, but we also have to plan for life tomorrow. And so if you think of someone who is a super saver, they are living 100% of their life for tomorrow. Well, tomorrow might never come. Exactly. And then we look at the spenders and if they're super spending, I'm going to tell you, it's a professional term that I have created that tomorrow might suck. <laughs> so how do we balance those two competing priorities when it's so easy to live in life for today because tomorrow's so far away? So it's that balance of figuring that piece out as well that's part of our planning. Yeah. Great, great. One last thing is, and I know this comes from our conversation that we had earlier, was about, and I believe this is where you also help your clients, is I'll use the term preparing to sell or exit their business. And that must be a huge part because I know there's a whole bunch of baby boomers getting ready to think about leaving, right? Well, and it's interesting when we started talking about this and entertaining this as more of a product offering as well, we talked to some accountants and right after the pandemic, when it was coming out, a lot of people were tired and they're like, just sell my business. Yeah. And CRA made a lot more money than necessary because they were tired <laughs> and because they didn't want to take the time and space they needed to do the right planning to make sure there was more money in their jeans, right? So there's two levels here. The right amount of planning means that you are optimizing your tax bill at the end of the transaction. But two, maybe you don't want to sell. Maybe you're building a business that isn't sellable. But I will tell you this, the same work that goes to make a business more valuable and sellable in the end makes a more efficient business that churns out more profit. Yes. So yes. the exercises are all good to go through, right? 
Yeah. And from a wealth planning perspective, if you are planning on selling your business, a lot of times that is the biggest asset in your portfolio. So it behooves you to take the time and be strategic and intentional about building that value. And then the other piece is if it's not going to be sold, well, then let's figure out how we're going to drain all the cash out so that we can get to your power number in a tax efficient <laughs> manner. Awesome. And that's really, you know, from a marketing perspective, what I see is you've really addressed the whole customer journey, Mm. right? So a customer journey is, you know, somebody comes in and they're at this level of their business. What is their next problem they're going to encounter? And from the sounds of it, you are addressing all of those as they go along. So great. You know, I'm an action person. And one of the questions I ask is, do you have an action plan or a couple of steps that you would like to leave our listeners with? There's a couple of things. I have access to an ebook that would help people kind of think about what to do if slash when a recession hits and how they can actually position their business a little better. And the second thing is, is I do have a survey that would allow them to actually get an idea of what their business is worth today. And it does involve them sharing some numbers with me, Diana, but I can actually then have a conversation and lead them through saying, here's where some areas that you could potentially strengthen in your business that will increase your value. And this is how much it will increase the value of your business. So there's a lot of tools that I have that can really help grow that business and at least be aware of what is next and put it on your roadmap. Exactly. Awesome. So you're going to give me those links and we'll put those in the show notes. So any last tips that you want to share? One last piece of advice? I'm going to go back to the bold and I use the word brazen sometimes, Diana. Okay, good. Be true to yourself and embrace the niche. Awesome. Yes. And I could tell lots of stories about be true to yourself. Anyway, thank you so much, Wendy. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and learning how you have taken those bold moves to make your business stand out from others in this very male-dominated industry. And thanks so much for spending the time with us. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And until next week, remember, you can do this. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Grow Equation Business Podcast, where every podcast is designed to help you ultimately work less and earn more. Thank you so much. I'd love for you to share and or subscribe. Take care, listeners. Bye for now.